inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Red Onion State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. And this is Red Onion Randy, and welcome to my podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to me. Uh, today, I'm going to answer a listener's question named Nick. Uh, Nick asked me, what are my views towards women? You know, what do I miss the most about them? What do I like the most? What do I not like? Uh, you know, how, you know, how do I deal with not having sex and access to, to women and so on and so forth? Um, so I'm going to answer that question. This is this thing. As I've previously stated, I've pretty much been in prison for my whole life, uh, since I was 11 years old. You know, a few months of my teen years, I was out on the street, or, you know, I was in, you know, like a co-ed group home. Uh, So I haven't really had access to a lot of women, Um, you know, and I I am a virgin. You know, I'm 42 years old, and I'm still a virgin, so bring on the jokes. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and tell it, so get ready to laugh. I did have a very, very excellent chance of losing my virginity. So I'm going to go ahead and tell this story because it is pretty hilarious. Um... I had gotten out of Beaumont the first time, which, if I remember correctly, was the year 1996. And I was in the attention home in Charlottesville, Virginia, for my second time. I had been previously when I was uh, 11 years old. So there there was this girl named Mary. Now... Mary was pretty. I mean, she had a pretty face on her. But my God, the body on that woman, well, actually, she was a girl at the time because she was a teenager, puts supermodels, bikini models, porn stars to shame. Unbelievable. I am not exaggerating in the slightest, as you will soon find out. Uh, so I had flirted with her a little bit, but nothing really serious, nothing, you know, major or whatnot. And one night I was in a little game room and I was shooting pool and, uh, her and her roommate Agnes came in and Mary pulled up on me and was like, Hey, look, me and Agnes, we want to leave. We want you to come with us. I'm like, nah, that ain't going to happen. I only got a couple of months left before I get to go home, and I- I'm done with all this stuff. I'm putting all this stuff behind me. She was like, oh, come on, please. You know, I'll let you do stuff to me and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I ain't doing it. You, you know, I'm not leaving. I- I'm in a good place. I'm in a good position. It ain't happening. So she lifted her shirt up, and she had 36 double Ds. And after a mouthful of tit, I'm mumbling, all right, pack your stuff, let it go. I mean, it just is what it is. So she pulls her shirt down, and they leave, and I go upstairs, 
and I pack I pack a bag with some clothes and whatnot, and I tell my roommate, yo, look, dude, I'm up out of here. Take whatever you want, man. It's yours. I ain't coming back. So I walk down the steps, and I walk down the front, and I see the counselor sitting in the office with the door open, and they look up at me, and they see that I got a bag full of clothes on. Like, hold up, what you doing? I'm like, wait a minute. You got two hours before you're allowed to call the cops. Don't shit me for my time. And I just walked out. And I walked down the little driveway up through the, uh, there's like a little small teeny walkway alleyway between the, uh, this brick wall and this house. And that's where Mary and Agnes were and they had their stuff. And I'm like, all right, yo, look, let's go. So it's dark outside. And we walk and we go down a couple of blocks and we come to this graveyard. And so, you know, we, we stop there to pause and talk a little bit. And, you know, I start making out with Mary and, you know, I have her laid on the ground. I'm on top of her and I'm grinding on her and kissing her and everything. And, you know, things, things are going well for me. And, you know, all of a sudden we see flashlights. And uh, we look up and we see a couple of cops standing up at the top of the hill where the, uh, it's a very small hill, by the way, you know, where the, you know, the, the, the driveway to the graveyard and the walls and everything is. And so we grab our stuff and we take off running in the opposite direction. So as we're running, we get a couple blocks away. I start looking in cars for keys because she would be surprised at how many stupid people will actually leave the keys in the ignition of their vehicle while they're in the house. So we jumped in a Chevy pickup truck, and it had a camper shell on the back. And uh, it was just, you know, a single bench seat, you know, old-school pickup truck, probably from the late 70s, maybe early 80s. Keys are in the ignition, so we, we pile in, throw our clothes in the back, and I start the truck up, and we take off. And uh, we drive up to my Uncle Jonathan's, uh, which is in Schuyler, Virginia. And he's got a trailer there. So, you know, we pull in and everything, and we go in, and we start to talking, and we drink a couple of beers and whatnot. And I'm over there talking to Jonathan while the girls are in the living room uh, watching TV and talking. So I'm like, hey, yo, John, look, man, let me stay here for the night. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit that. You know, she's she going to give me that. And he was like, nah, man, I can't let you stay, dude. My, my, my dad would be mad and upset. I'm like, wait a minute, dude. He's, he's, he's my, he's, he's my step grandfather. I mean, seriously, I mean, he's, man, look, dude, I, I can't let you stay here, man. It's, it, that's just, that's just all there is. And I'm like, all right, well, screw you then, dude. And I, I get up and like, come on, girls, let's go. So we go, we get into the truck. And I pull off, and uh, we drive down the road, and we drive up this other road, down this back road, down this dirt road, and then we go up, drive up the side of a mountain. And there's this little flat spot right there where you can just kind of pull off. You know, I mean, we're deep, deep in the country. You know, these are the Blue Ridge Mountains, you know, kind of foothills and whatnot where I'm at. And uh, so we parked there, and I'm like, well, look, you know, he wouldn't let us stay, so we're just going to crash here. So Agnes, she's in the passenger seat. Mary is in the middle, and I'm driving. So Agnes just rolls up a coat, 
and she leans it up against the door and uses it as a pillow, you know, to go to sleep. Me and Mary, we get out the truck and we go around and climb in the back. And uh, our feet are pointed towards the hood of the pickup truck and, you know, our heads are at the back near the tailgate. You know, so I'm doing my thing. I'm kissing on her. I'm fondling on her, you know, and I get her undressed and I get undressed. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a teenage boy, so I'm pretty brick at this point. And I, I go and I ease up on her and I get right on the threshold. Flesh against sweet, sweet flesh. And I'm about to cross that threshold. The moment every young boy dreams of, about to become a man, and she screams. I'm like, whoa, hold up. You know, I'm feeling real good about myself. I'm like, yeah, the kid is hung. That's right. I hurt her a little bit. And I'm like, hey, baby, I ain't hurt you, did I? She said, oh, no, not that, not that at all. Of course, completely crushing my ego and ruining my delusions. She says, look, turn around and look. So I turn around and look through the back windshield, through the damn front windshield, standing on the hood of the damn pickup truck in a shaft of moonlight is the biggest bobcat I've ever laid eyes on in my life. I am not exaggerating. That son of a bitch was the size of a mountain lion. And, and, I mean, he was just looking right at us. His eyes were shining and glowing like a cat's eyes do at night in the moonlight. And I mean, he was zero hand on it. Like, he knew I was up to no damn good. So I turn around and I'm like, okay, yeah, let me up. Let's go ahead and finish what we started. She said, oh, we can't do that. I'm like, why not? He can't get to us. She says, no, I'm scared. I'm like, oh, baby, please come on. I'm right there. She says, no, get off me. And, of course, you know, being a dumbass but gentleman that I am, I, of course, get off of it because I ain't never going to force myself on any woman. And, uh, yeah, so we, you know, we, she's so scared that we can't even get out the back of the truck to go around and get into the, you know, to the front of the truck. We have to climb through that little bitty teeny window in the back window because it had one of those little sliding windows. And, uh, of course, we couldn't stay there. She wakes up Agnes and tells her all about it, and I'm driving away and everything. And, of course... The damn truck runs out of gas, and we get caught by the cops, and we go to the detention home, and I get sent right back up to Beaumont, and I do not lose my virginity, thanks to a damn bobcat that can't mind his own business. And I have hated bobcats with a passion ever since, especially that big bastard right there. So that's how I almost lost my virginity and hopefully you don't laugh too hard at me. But I've spent my whole life in prison. I've been alone without that intimacy, without that connection that 
pretty much everybody in the world has. You know, I'm one of the very few. I, I seriously doubt you will find many 40-year-old virgins in this world, especially in our fast-paced life that we tend to live nowadays. But that is something that I absolutely crave. Not, not the sex part. Because let me tell you something. Love is not, and it cannot be a byproduct of sex. Sex is and should always be a byproduct of love. And that's something that I realize in here. So I don't want to just throw myself in the arms of the first woman who offers herself to me. That's not what I'm looking for because I crave true, genuine, deep, intimate love with a woman. I want, I truly, when I find that right woman, I want to become one with her. I mean, I really want to build something that just spans civilization. I'm not looking for a fling. I'm not looking to get laid. That's not what I want. I want a woman that I, I'm comfortable with, a woman that I can just open up and share anything and everything with, and I know she's not going to judge me. She's not going to look down her nose at me because I happen to be a 42-year-old virgin, because I have spent the entirety of my life in prison, because I have been extremely violent. She's never going to fear me. She's never, it's never going to cross her mind because she loves me so much that I will ever raise my hand to her. You know, I, I want that woman who just absolutely believes in me and has faith in me. Yeah, it hurts a lot, man. I mean, you know, I, I watch TV sometimes. I don't watch a lot of it, but I do watch it sometimes. And I'll, I'll see whether it's just, you know, it's just been written by some Hollywood scriptwriter or it's something on a talk show that's legitimate and real love between two real people. I see it, and, man, I get, sometimes I get so incredibly jealous of what, they have because I want it. I, I want to be able to go to a park and just hold hands and walk and eat ice cream and talk. And, you know, I would love to have, you know, that kind of woman where, you know, we can host dinner parties or do a game night or just something corny and quirky and fun like that. You know, that's, I want a real life. For those of you who watched the documentary, you know, I, I, I don't think that I'm a bad looking guy. You know, and I have had several women from around the world reach out to me interested in a romantic relationship with me. And I tried that with Jennifer. I wound up more miserable with her than I was without her. And it's not all her fault. It's probably more my fault than it was hers. Because when you're in this environment, you get trapped in your head. You're dealing with a lot of extreme paranoia in here, and that kind of translates into the relationship with the woman out there, which is why, you know, ever since that blew up and failed on me, I've, you know, I have told women that, hey, you know, I'm just, I don't want to do anything romantic-wise while I'm in prison because, you cannot have true, genuine intimacy. You have one minute remaining. With a woman 
while you're in prison, it's just it, there's just too much separation. There's not enough connection. There's not enough communication. There's just there's just so many pitfalls and landmines that are in the way that's going to destroy what you have. In my opinion. So I truly would love to be in love. I, I cannot wait to go home and be in love. That's something I, I dream of on a regular basis. Um, but, Nick, I hope this answered your question. Um, I hope you laugh your ass off at me. I like a stupid story, but, you know, it is what it is. This has been Red On You, Randy. I hope you enjoyed listening to me. Please check out my website, redonyourandy.com. And for those on Apple Podcasts who listen to me, I would truly appreciate it if you would rate and review me. Thank you. Take care and stay safe. Thank you for using GTL.